Hello and welcome to episode 40 of Dano Says So, brought to you by Trust Records and the Evergreen Podcast Network. Today's guest, Walter Schreifels, is somebody I've known for 32 or 33 years, ever since, uh, you know, really the genesis of the youth crew movement and, you know, at the early stages of his role in sort of the internationally revered New York hardcore scene. You know, he's been attached to bands like Warzone, Youth of Today, Gorilla Biscuits, and then after that era, Quicksand, Rival Schools, Vanishing Life, Dead Heavens, I'm sure it goes on and on beyond all sorts of things I've heard of. He was ground floor in several hardcore archetypes, and in my opinion, he's even more prolific as an explorer of more amorphous creative space. I've really been looking to pick his brain on process and on more esoteric stuff. I'm hoping you guys dig it, so let's go ahead and get into it. Walter Schreifels, thank you for doing this. Hey, Dan, good to see you, man. Happy to be here. Likewise. Like I said, we've known each other forever, but we don't really run in the same circles. And over time, that becomes a more distant and distant familiarity. And getting ready for this interview, I start to realize there's a lot of things about you I don't know. Uh So some quick, but what I think might be relevant background questions. First off, are you formally trained as a musician or are you self-taught? I took some lessons, uh, like a grip of... I, there was a teacher in uh, that a friend of mine was going to that was giving guitar lessons for five dollars. So uh, for Christmas of my thirteenth birthday, I got thirty five dollars. So I bought seven guitar lessons okay. with that money, and thirty five dollars like trained gave me enough information to like make a lifetime of it. So that's pretty funny when I think about it. It's money pretty goddamn well spent. Yeah, like what 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 do you spend thirty five dollars on that that goes that far? Right. Were your parents artistic types at all? Uh no, not really. I, my mom was. I think my dad is more like crafty. You know, like can build cabinets and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom was a drama major at school, and I rem- at, and at uh she went to Penn State University. I remember her making these really amazing like set designs that were very intricately like diorama kind of stuff like you know Wes Anderson type of shit and um and she's a really good she could draw like amazing but I don't think either of them would consider themselves you know artistic in a way but my mom surely was and my mom's a great writer as well were you a popular kid in school yeah I have a pretty like I don't know if affable is the right way but I'm kind of like Hey, how's it going? And my name was Wally. When you're called named Wally, you just kind of like get along with people. Nobody fears Wally. Yeah, well, he's just kind of Wally's your friend. Oh, Wally's here. Ah, oh, what's going on? You know, it's just kind of one of those names. You you fall into the role. Well, it's interesting maybe to me because particularly once you were on the mic, I think you capture alienation or maybe just an outsider perspective remarkably well. So it wasn't really the answer I was expecting, but your Wally logic makes sense. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's, there's, you know, uh, in astrological, there's like your, your, your sign and then your rising sign, you know, so how you kind of come off to others and yet there's another kind of side of you. And I, I think that I, I have, I can walk in the world of alienation and yet still be, uh, you know, feel very connected to people and to this, my surroundings. Sure. Okay. makes sense. Quicksand, when it hit in 90, I remember when the, when the, I think 90 is when the seven inch came out. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere around then. Yeah. Okay. You know, it was a curveball. It wasn't what anybody was expecting. Did that come out of a, uh, any kind of a hunger to break a mold or was it just what you were hearing inside your head? Uh, yeah, I was th- some of a little bit of both, but I think with, you know, when you were a contemporary at that time is like, you know, our revelation kind of wave of stuff 
had sort of, I mean, to my point of view, like had hit some sort of like sameness and like, and that also like not even a critique necessarily of like what the, where the musical thing was headed, but um, also just my own kind of like what I was doing as a person of that age, you know, going Mm -hmm. from sort of like 15, 16 to, you know, I guess I would have been like 21 or something like that, you know, going to college and, you know, it's like, I was in a different headspace. So I think going into quicksand was with the intent of doing something exciting, you know, that could work in on a, on a mosh level, but Mm -hmm. also was um, kind of a a little bit asymmetrical, you know, to, to what, what the, the sort of established plan had kind of like, you know, had kind of formed and, you know, we took inspiration from like other bands that were, you know, a bit older than us, but that were doing that, the, you know, like Jane's addiction was very powerful influence. Uh, Fugazi were super powerful. These guys are like, you know, people like when we were freshmen, they were seniors, but they were like doing interesting music that had roots in, in the similar, if not same scene that I had came from. So uh, we, you know, I was influenced by Blast a lot too, but even like Danzig Mm -hmm. and all that stuff that those older dudes were doing that was, you know, not just so, I mean, the beauty of like all the things that I had been involved with prior to that was that it was, it was all awesome and gettable, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And, 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 you know, kind of very easy to, to grasp and just wanted to get, you know, for lack of a better word, like, you know, yeah, be be weirder about it or do something less expected, not only for the audience, but for ourselves. It's it's funny, the the list you went down, that's kind of a, like the 1986 uh, library of I want to break out influences. Like yeah. thinking of another artist who went completely outside of genre who came from the same family. I remember Zach telling me, I ought to be doing some kind of a fusion between Danzig and Fugazi, which to me yeah. just sounds well, it just sounds like crack, but you know, yeah. but lo and behold, he found his fusion. And a lot of people sort of, I think, reached into the same bucket of artists to find space outside of what they were doing. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was the natural place to, to, if you're a musician is, I think when a lot of people got into the hardcore thing, it's like the beauty of it is that you, you can go so far on just like a, a feeling of wanting to participate in it. And then after a certain amount of time, you know, for me, I didn't go in thinking of like, I'm a musician or I'm an artist, but eventually I started to hit the wall with that and, and wanted, and wanted to explore that part of like what it is, you know? I remember reaction to the seven inch being very positive, Yeah, but I could see where coming from the hometown it comes from and coming from the place in time, I could see there being pushback though. I didn't witness any, was that, was there any at all? I think there was some mild pushback, you know, or like people just like wanting it to be, you know, just in, I mean, like, like the rev stuff was just the packaging so tight. The sound was so tight. So like, you just want to keep collecting these action figures. And then all of a sudden they start fucking up the program in some way. And I think there was some initial, maybe like, Oh, this isn't whatever, but ultimately people were accepting. And I think it was nice because, even though I had was in Grill Biscuits and Youth Today, I wouldn't consider myself the the face of either of them for sure. Mm-hmm. So I think it was sort of like, you know, when people take ownership of something, like for example, if Quicksand was Gorilla Biscuits' new album, I think people would have been really fucking annoyed. I think we would have got like a lot more flack for it because the expectation is 
different. Whereas like I was coming at it with people that I, I also played with people that I don't think like were in our regular, like little pond, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I played with um, Alan and, uh, and Tom and, and Sergio who were guys that, you know, I, I was tangent to them. Uh, but it was a different group of people. So I think just like, it's sort of like either you like it or you don't care about it. And so the, the amount of people that like had an opinion about it, that would be negative was just maybe not a big, um, you know, cross section and, and enough people of my peers mm-hmm. were like, this is really fucking good. And I was just like, this is the first time I was singing in a band. So, um, I, I was pretty confident that whether people liked it or didn't like it, that we had done something kind of cool. You, 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 you threw me a softball in there that you're not aware of what you talked about. The pushback would have made sense if that record was Gorilla Biscuits next record, but it yeah. was not. So it created its own space, right? Well, yeah. the seven inch slip manic compression, right? Yeah. Those records are not interiors and distant populations. Was yeah. there, was there a pushback in that evolution? This huge amount of downtime between sort of the first batch and the second batch, and definitely a little bit of a curve a curveball factor in the second batch. Was there a was there a sense of obligation to to original sound? Was there a shock at response? How did that how did that go? I think I always have like in my in my uh, in my head that there's you know a loyalty to your audience. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. you kind of want to give them enough that they know it's you and like, everything's okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, reaching out for, to create new space, you know what I mean? Because if you, not everybody can be the Ramones, you know what I mean? Not everybody can like, can, can keep dialing in within the same kind of target and keep delivering on that formula. And the, and the, and the Ramones are not limited to the Ramones. The Ramones did a lot of interesting stuff that they probably don't get enough credit for. But for us and for, for me in general, like I'm always just trying to create more space to like, mm-hmm. you know, give myself more permission to explore different musical directions that I want to do. And I definitely want to bring people along. And to some ways, I think that's a good thing because there's there's got to be that, there's that thread. But at the same time, you know, you can't worry about it too much and you have to be willing to, you know, for some people to say, well, I like this other shit better. And you just got to have to live with that. I've always had this kind of stuck up, almost self-destructive pride in my willingness to state that audience appetite or audience expectation has no place in creativity. If you create according to expectation, there's at least a certain degree of falseness in your creation. But I realize that's an autobiographical statement that might not be true of how somebody else's brain works. I think it's just choices, you know? I mean, what's the result you're, you're trying to achieve? You know what I mean? And I think it's that that's really where it goes down. I couldn't put like a, a, a value on it, good, bad, art or not art on, on those decisions. Because like, obviously like I gravitated towards music that was like, very, very good in my opinion, or spoke to me, mm-hmm. but um, wasn't necessarily the popular music that everyone else was being fed. That's my association with what's good is, is that it's not the popular thing. So I have that, pre- you know, prejudice. So like when you're um, working with your fans, obviously, if you give them something that they just, you think they want, you're just guessing. So you're not, I think it's really tough to do, you know? So I think, you got to work on your, you know, here we are to talk about process. I think you have to like develop a process that you trust. And for me, like I do want 
the people that, you know, um, really love my music have, have supported me throughout of, you know, what's now becoming a pretty long career. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to bring those guys to the party. You know, I want them to be a part of it, but I also want to find new people. I also want to find people that I haven't met. So Mm -hmm. like, you know, you can't do it like you can't really like aim very carefully to to make that happen because then it comes off as yeah, then it's not art because it's just kind of you know you're just trying to like you know when you roll a strike when you're bowling mm-hmm. and you're just like aiming for that pin that you think is going to be the right one and mm-hmm. like you aim for it and you maybe you could even hit the center pin like many times and you'll just always end up with a spare and then there's the time that you just fucking let your all your body mechanics go and let it flow and use the force and then fucking hits that pin and they all just go flying you know that feeling you know what i mean so you need to put yourself in a position to do that like you have certain goals that you want to get but you're also like surrendering to the process of of um allowing all your mechanics and your pro yeah to 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 work in your favor and you know it's been my experience that like i've hit it with certain things that like people really loved and and connected with that i agree with them and then there's some things that i think are fucking awesome no one cares about it or it's not the love bath that I might expect, you know what I mean? You know, then, then you're dealing with like context, you know, like when you release something, how does it, you know, what's the mood and does it make sense with that time and all that kind of shit. But I think it's like your process and your taste, you know, and that, and that should be, I think there's certain things in your taste that will remain consistent and certain things that will change. Is there anything that makes a song or even a riff is, is, is there a sweet spot where you, where, where you immediately find something satisfying or is it more of a hindsight thing? I do listen to things in the, from, you know, that maybe is like something that I like, you know, if you listen to something with enough distance, you'd be like, Oh fuck, that's good. You know what I mean? Like I didn't think it was that good, but actually it's pretty good. I should have put my back into that maybe a bit more, had more faith in it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a beautiful thing about art too. And, and making music for me is, you know, kind of having those, um, those, you know, your, your, your perception of what you're doing and, and how true to life it is or, or you know, how things will be perceived or, or whatever. I, I think uh, it's a way to work all that out. I, I, I've now, I'm not, I don't think I'm answering the question that you asked, though. A pretty amorphous question, which is something I'm often guilty of. Um, <laughs> I'll structure something a little bit more. Uh-huh. Outside of quicksand, uh-huh. the range of stuff you've done is pretty stupefying, like projects that bear almost no similarity to each other. And like when I listen to quicksand, to me, I could see where being the creator of that stuff could be really cathartic and really emotionally fulfilling. I was just talking about the Manic Compression record with Quicksand, and I don't really remember that being that much fun at all. To be honest, it was a lot of a pain in the ass and a lot of fighting. In the end, the results are also valid and really cool. You know what I mean? Like we couldn't have made that music had we not like struggled for each little thing. You know what I mean? Because Quicksand's a band where you have uh, just the personalities are different. What the process is of coming up with a song was was different, but in the end, it's fucking cool, you know, and, and very unique. So, I, I, you know, it's just a difference in process and combination of personalities. But it's funny. Um, those first two uh, quicksand LPs, you know, I, I've spun them both recently, you know, getting, getting ready for this. And it struck me, how there's an, a weird dissonance and a jaggedness to manic compression that I now feel like I've found a part of the secret to. Because it mm-hmm. sounds like that's reflective, the, reflective in a good way, but of the atmosphere it was created in. 
Yeah. I mean, we were just anything that made it through our system of, of uh, it, it's like Raiders of the Lost Ark when he like gets the fucking sand, you know, right? the sand doesn't weigh as much as the head. Like right. that was the idea of pr- the process of like coming in with a riff with quicksand. You had to like a boulder was fucking chasing you ready, ready to crush your, your, your idea. And uh, so the people, the, the, the things that made it through that process uh, had, had, had been tested. Gorilla Biscuits in its own way was just as shocking because internationally in the eighties, New York was seen as the hardest of the hard and the hardest that this music had ever produced. And you were known initially to most of us on the opposite coast as a member of one of the archetypal hard bands. And right off the bat, that band is shamelessly silly. The seven inch has got more of a razor edge to it than the 12 inch, but nonetheless, there was a willingness to laugh and to smile about the whole outing that I didn't see coming out of New York. Did anybody else find it surprising or did it make sense to the people that knew you? Uh, well, you know, we were not, I, I didn't think of gorilla skits as like, we were kind of on the outside. We were out in Queens. I mean, we're in, in Jackson Heights and we were not like seen insiders really. So okay. I think, you know, had we, been more so we probably wouldn't have called the gorilla biscuits called it gorilla biscuits we probably would have called it something sort of cooler in a way like you know it was more of like the sense of humor is what started it you know what i mean like you know me and arthur lived in astoria we went over to we met a group of kids in jackson heights and civ was one of those kids and it was just like when punks meet other punks you know what i mean and like that merge of 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 meeting someone that meeting people that think the same as you, but you got a, a you just, you just uh, expanded your crew. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that's kind of Gorilla Biscuits came from that, but it was about fun. It was about our thing. And as, and also we were just getting into hardcore. So when we, you know, it, it took us a long time to get a gig. Like we were just, you know, we earned our way up. And um, by the time we kind of became like a serious, like New York thing, mm-hmm. It was already too late. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> the die had been cast. We're called Gorilla Biscuits. You know, try as we may to look hard, it's never going to really play out that way. I think in the end that, that you know, even though kind of might have at times been like, shit, I wish we had like a, you know, harder name or, you know, something like that. But that's not who we were, man. You know, so it was like, I, and I think in the big picture of of the, the whole scene, it kind of gave us more room you know, artistic space, again, if we're talking about process is like to like, we can like whistle on a record. Why? Because it's Gorilla Biscuits. We can, oh, who's, play, who, we can play, you know, we can play harmonica on a record because we're called Gorilla Biscuits. Like no one's expecting us to come out and fucking like come with some serious, like hard times type of shit. Like that's not really where we are, but I mean, in truth, you know, a song like Degradation, man, I, I mean, I, I am so proud of that song. It's like super, it's got a sick mosh part and the lyrics are fucking awesome. Like, it's like, you know, not tooting my horn, like trying to be objectively distanced from it. It's like, you know, we, we still made some pretty strong points, you know? And even when, you know, and, and the fact that we could like be really fun and do like a song like Big Mouth, I think it was always like a mixture of like this sort of very seriousness that that was real and honest, but also kind of being able to, to have a bit of, you know, reflective laugh at yourself, you know, which is always endearing. You know, I, I think I think people that can like 
get the joke on themselves are in a good position because uh, I, I find that endearing. And also then, then, you know, it's the world's a safer place. Agreed. Absolutely. Now to me, to me, the, the sweetness and the fun aspect of gorilla biscuits was like, it's that, that spoonful of honey that helps you deliver a stronger tea to people that maybe otherwise wouldn't drink it. That's you a know? great way of putting it. You were in youth of today when we met, did you have much creative input in that band? Not when we met, you know, it is with, with hardcore is like, before I got into hardcore, you know, like it would have been like, uh, the Smiths or U2 or something or mm -hmm. REM. So like when I got into hardcore and I got asked to, to be in youth, youth today, it was like me joining one of those bands. Like I'm in U2 now. I mean, I'm in, <laughs> I'm in fucking REM now, you know, mm -hmm. they were my favorite band. Sure. Uh, they were the best band in New York. I thought at that time. And, uh, so I was just happy to be in it and going to California and meeting all you guys. It's just mm -hmm. so like, you know, the, meeting the people. I mean, I, I knew Uniform Choice and, and the Wishing Well and Unity and all that stuff. And then like going to California and seeing the the the, the world as depicted on the cover of uh, uh, user of uh, the, what's the Uniform Choice Screaming for Change right. to be in that world. What was a thrill to me. So mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, you today would not initially I didn't. but um. I think, yeah, maybe on, on that tour, like I wrote some stuff with Ray. Uh, I was definitely like, Ray was writing it. I was more like, you know, maybe pitching a little teeny bit of the bridge and, and stuff like that. But eventually, you know, with We're Not In This Alone, I wrote, uh, I wrote my, my share. And, uh, and then with that last seven inch, I wrote uh, on that as well. So yeah, once I kind of got in the band, I wrote, but I really loved Youth Today. I think it, it was a really good experience, um, it, which I experienced with some other groups too. But in that one, you know, like where I didn't feel like I had to be the guy, you know, right. where I didn't feel I had to bring the, the, the plan in, you know, where in other bands, I, I, even though I don't maybe necessarily need to be that person. And I, I've, I've, my work has been in sometimes letting that go, mm -hmm. but being in youth today was awesome. Cause to me, Ray was just, he's a brilliant songwriter, brilliant lyricist, great, you know, he's just a natural leader, you know, so uh, I, I was happy to have someone else to learn from and to uh, know where they wanted to go and and to be, you know, sort of on the adv adv advisory board of, of, of directors, you know sure. what I mean? At, at best to be like, that shit's corny or like this rules, you know, or, you know, and when you talk about being able to laugh at yourself, Ray is someone that is able to laugh at himself. Ray and I did a tour late in the nineties. Mm -hmm. uh, we did the rev tour and during a week when things, all bands bicker, right. Mm -hmm. And during a week when he and better than a thousand could use some space away from each other, he rode in the speak van for a week. Uh -huh. And I think everybody's looking at it. Like, are those two not going to kill each other? Like their, their assumption was that it, by that point in time, we were diametrically opposed and no to going to what you're saying. We laughed all fucking week. Yeah, dude. He's hilarious. He, yeah. He's funny as shit. So learning i learned so much i mean it was after going on tour with you today in in 87 which is when i met you mm -hmm. uh that i really kind of learned so much to to put into gorilla biscuits you know what i mean because i really under it, it, he allowed you know be, being in the in the guts of youth today being in, in you know under the hood with it i understood why this i began to like just intuitively understand why these songs worked you know, what I loved about them and like why, how people responded to them. 
And I just started to kind of insert that into my own writing style. And, um, you know, uh, I, I think that that was really awesome and that I didn't have to like, the pressure wasn't on me to write, you know, come up with the new youth today thing. No, I, you know, I was only going to contribute, you know, help it along, but you know, I wrote, wrote some of the cool songs, I think. Uh, you're going to Europe with them next year. Yeah. Yes. I mean, um, you know, Omicron, you know, whatever, uh, allowing. Yeah. Yeah. Pending, pending the evolution of the apocalypse. Agreed. Yeah. Yes. How, however uh, that goes. What space does that fill for you now? Because it's, I look at that for the longest time, I had this really judgmental, attitude towards sort of the ongoing reunion circuit until I spotted a central hypocrisy in my thinking, which was that the first time I really came under hardcore, under fire and hardcore, it was for signing to the subsidiary of a major. And I was very defensive of how much creative control I'd been able to preserve. And it's like, it's essentially the same animal to tell anybody what they can do with their music. In other words, you can play it till your, till your head falls off, but I mm. am curious how it feels and what role it plays in your life doing songs from that long ago now? Um, I think it's going to be interesting coming back at it after, you know, this long break. The only thing that I've done is quicksand. And, um, and that was, that was really awesome. Like having just like, I mean, since the, the uh, pandemic, so I think it's going to be really cool. I mean, not having done it for some time, I think it might bring some freshness to it, but mm -hmm. for me, youth today is, uh, I love again, being the bass player. Like, it's just so fucking fun because I don't have to like, Purcell is amazingly, he goes so crazy on stage, but yet he plays pretty damn good. Yeah, stays, um, keeps pretty clean. And his guitar is like, you know, pretty, you know, in a good way, like loud and fills the space. Mm -hmm. So me, I really just have a lot of freedom. And so I just go as crazy as I can possibly go. I am like, I'm like a zealot in youth today. I am like, <laughs> in the time that I am on stage, I am the most straight edge, the most vegetarian, the most uh, youth crew, 52 year old, you're ever gonna find. Like I should be, they should bottle what I have. That's what I'm, where I'm at with it. And to be just so hundred percent a devotee of like what the messages are of youth today, which I, I totally, believe in and I feel are, are sort of like pretty standard good stuff and um so I I really enjoy that and of course I love being not only around the guys in the band you know we don't do it so often that I you know that that I get sick of them and if, if those those old kind of things pop up it's also even cool then this is like oh right like uh you know that happens, right? Like that's how we are, you know what I mean? But it doesn't bother me now. It's just like, you're in a different perspective. And most of all, we just fucking laugh our asses off. Like we just like, we'll be in the van making fun of each other. And I don't know, I just feel lucky and, and for it. And as far as like, you know, how the audience is, it's amazing to me that the messages still resonate. And that for people that are, you know, young, like I can remember getting into punk you know, seeing the exploited now, like we would be much older than the exploited would have been when I saw the exploited, but, or like, you know, seeing dead Kennedys or something like that. These bands that were older, um, you know, you could, you could say that they were, you know, maybe their Franken Christ wasn't the record that I was most stoked on, you know, maybe mm -hmm. I would have rather seen them on uh, fresh fruit, but 
when I saw them, it fucking just blew my mind. You know what I mean? And like pushed me into wanting to know more about not just dead Kennedys, but about everything that was going on in the scene because the dead Kennedys brought the people, right. you know, and the, and I watched all the fucking bands that came before the dead Kennedys. And I was exhausted. They didn't go on to like three in the fucking morning. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm not saying you today does that, but I feel like, uh, there's people that are, you know, in their twenties or teenagers that will come to see youth today and it is meaningful to them. And for the people that are like, that are my age or, you know, within that bracket, like it's a different thing. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, you know, there, there's a, a, a nostalgia of course, but it's also like, you're seeing your friend, you know, Dave that you haven't seen in like, you know, 15 years and you're fucking hanging out together and you're catching up and, and all that kind of stuff. So those are the things that, that I enjoy about it, you know, makes sense. And and when I told somebody I was going to ask that question, they were like, he's just going to tell you it's fun. And I bet it is. So my friend, Jeff Ryan was absolutely right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fun and it's interesting. Yeah. Okay. The interesting part I can see as well on the topic of interesting and things outside of my understanding you produce now. I've always produced. I mean, not always, but I mean, I was always involved in the production. I mean, like well, of other people, of other people's music. I didn't start doing that. That kind of like started to come together. I think maybe the first thing I think I'm credited as the producer on the Civ album. That might've been the first thing that I like produced and, you know, and I did, but I was always interested in the production part. I was, I was never just like, okay, producer, what do we do? No, I was right. always like involved in it. Uh, like getting the sound, how are we going to do this? Let's, you know, that kind of shit. I was always into that with my own work. And then I did um, Hot Water Music's album, No Division, uh, which was an awesome record and an awesome band. Um, and over the years, I just kind of catch, uh, I'll do projects here and there. Uh, it's never been something that I'm like going for. Like, I'm not like, hey, I'm a producer, let's do it. Okay. Um, but people will come to me because of the records that I've produced, you know, um, a more recent one would have been like, I get people call me for, um, because I had worked with title fight. I produced their first album, but yeah, so things will come up and I've always just done so many great records. Like, to be honest, like, I, I think I've, I've worked with so many great artists. Uh, it, it's really, I, I should probably like push that more a little bit, you know, on my Instagram or something, you know, but, uh, you know, maybe I should toot my horn, but mm-hmm. I, I've always worked with good artists and, uh, which has made it a lot easier. How do you define good artist or how do you decide who to work with? A good artist is just, you know, I, I, I like them. I think they have a certain quality that, you know, uh, the combination of personalities uh, um, I find, you know, aesthetically, or it's usually just like an energy thing. You know, it's like people you like, things you like, you, you know, food you like. I just, that they have a certain process, process, I keep saying that, but like, um, and functionality that, um, or dysfunctionality that, that ends up sparking something, you know, it, it, when I'm producing, I'm coming in in some ways in the role, when you think of a producer as a sort of like father figure or something like they have something to like bestow upon you. And I don't come with that, but I, I do have like, ta- I come with my taste. I have an understanding of, of how to like get things moving. Uh, I, I think I'm good with kind of like uh, stoking the energy in the right direction. Uh, and I think I bring a lot of, a lot of uh, a lot to it without having to like strain, 
it's just like playing like a, an additional sort of uh, helper role in a way. But I'm also like learning from the band always. So like whoever the band is, even if they have way less experience than me uh, or like they haven't, you know, written some super cool song like Big Mouth or something like that, but they have um, a process and a way of doing things that I am I'm picking up from. You know what I mean? And so, and it's also, you develop friendships with the people. So you, you end up like having in jokes with, with the people in the band and, and, and that's just fucking awesome, man. That's like what it's like to be human and, and like the, the good stuff of it. So, and, and I always walk away, like I've just, strange you're talking about producing because I just produced a band called um, Spiral Heads and they're friends of mine. And I just think they're such cool people and uh and they're fucking awesome songwriters so to me i'm hanging out with great dudes who i respect tremendously as peers and i'm helping them and i'm also learning from them so that's that's just really cool some bands it's like you gotta there'll be some part of it that like you feel is their strength and some part of it that you think some hesitancy that you want to like loosen up and so your people skills come into play like how it's someone else's art. So you don't want to like make them walk through a door that maybe they aren't meant to walk through, but you, you know, you have to like figure out a way to say, Hey, listen, have you considered this? And you know, how much do you want to push that to where it's like, okay, dude, it's annoying. I don't want to go there. You know what I mean? But a lot of the times it's just like, you know, artists and and you probably get this too. It's like, fuck, I don't know if this is cool. I've been working on it too long. You know what I mean? For me to know, is this good? Am I crazy? Is this stupid? I don't know. Like, how does my hair look? You know what I mean? Like, and have someone that you, that you hold in some regard to give you an opinion can be very, very helpful, even though, you know, giving your opinion about something isn't like some huge heavy lift. Two things I took from that last uh, uh, body of language. One was that strikes me as what would be the trick, which is on the one hand, you're there to help them translate their work and their creativity. On the other hand, I can picture sitting there, particularly with your artistic temperament, and spotting opportunities. You know what I mean? At which point you want to, in a way, you want to interject your own art- artistry. And knowing well, finding the sweet spot and how to do so diplomatically and when to just shut the hell up, that could probably be a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you got to always think, I mean, I've had, produ- I've had producers and mm-hmm. my attitude towards it was that, especially working on major labels, is they're part cop. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because they're, they're protecting the investment of the record label to make sure these idiots don't like, you know, just smoke, smoke a bunch of weed and, and make a shitty record. Right. And so, you know, they're sort of authority figures. So like having had that experience, you know, I, I, I learned how I would never want to do that because like, you don't want someone, if there's someone that you respect their opinion, you know, you're open to what they think. And and you might not even, you might even try an outfit on, you know, to see if, uh, you know, on their, on their advice and see how you look, but doesn't, you shouldn't be expected to go to the party in that outfit if you don't want to, you know? And so I don't want to ever find myself crossing that line because I, when it's happened to me, I was like, dude, what the fuck, man? Like I'm Mm -hmm. the one that's got to like go out and tour this record. Right. And if I feel uncool about this, and you're going to, and it's so, it becomes about this person's career. It's like, that's not cool. You know what I mean? So like, mm-hmm. I'm very careful to not make that mistake, you know, cause you know, if you, you have an, you like a band 
it's best it's just best to work with bands that you already like because then you just don't even really run into that problem too much anyway but you know we dedicated a, a shit ton of time to process and to creative analysis and i appreciate that let's get into some some nuts and bolts and uh maybe some final observations we'll see i mean i'm hoping your time constraints aren't particularly nasty you did a club tour in essentially conditions about like they are now regarding covid right uh yes how was that that seems that had to be tricky as hell and i gotta think it was like trying to windsprint across a pontoon bridge because you know the goalposts are always moving yeah i mean i think the uh that's a good way of putting it the main thing about it the main heavy of it was that if anyone gets covid the tour's over and you know and that it's for some bands of course it's not good for anybody but for us, the margins are pretty slim to where if we're if we miss like even, you know, a handful of shows, it goes from us like being all right to us, like potentially owing money for having even tried. So we had to keep it real tight in a bubble. And so my usual tour fun or a part of my tour fun is like, all right we're going to hang out with so-and-so and so-and-so we're going to go there and there and there and there. And this is going to be a time. And instead it was like, not like that. So, you know, I got used to it and I liked the people I was traveling with. So I didn't feel um, constrained by that. And uh, you know, it was a little bit of a bummer. Like, you know, I want to see my friends and, you know, like in LA I, I made it work, you know, we met behind the club and I was able to see everyone um that i wanted to see for uh, for the most part but uh and and some other places too you know we'd work it out staying outside but in a good way you know it was cool to you know in some ways to not have that to 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 have you know more chill time and you know i i made made the best of that but yeah you know i think it's it's a weird atmosphere i think people are still a little bit i mean i even speaking for myself like if a club is truly crowded, I just kind of, my head goes a little bit like there's gotta be some Omicron in this room. Right. Right. right? It's in the back of my head. So if it's that, if that's true for me and I'm probably on the spectrum of like paranoid about COVID, I'm probably like, you know, I don't know what percentile I'm in, but like, you know, I'm pretty chill about it. Like in terms of how, how much space Mm -hmm. it occupies in my, in my head. But um, I thought it was kind of cool. Like I just got way more, aware of it i think in a good way but i think that that's a little bit weird you know what i mean the energy is just a little bit i just feel that every show that i've gone to i'll catch myself being like this is so fucking cool like i'm having a great time and then i start thinking there's definitely COVID in this place (laughs) so that's the thing that i never hear anybody talking about and you know oh god i list miss live music and i'm so anxious to get back and yada 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 all of which obviously right yeah but like for you and if you, you know, you played the Troubadour, didn't you? Or, yeah. Or, yeah, okay. It's not that big a space and every breathing mouth in the room is pointed towards you. Like that aspect of it doesn't seem to strike most people. I've thought about it and I'm like, oh God. <laughs> I guess I wasn't worried in that. That was just part of the thing. So I didn't really yeah. occupy myself with that. Like the main thing I didn't want to do is be the fucking asshole that got COVID for hanging out. You okay. know what I mean? Uh, and bringing that back to the bus because I wanted to go have a drink with somebody. You right. know what I mean? So okay. I just didn't want to be that person because, and also just not even, and the other side is just the finance, financial aspect. Because if it shuts down, there's like pretty real financial uh, downside of it. So um, I didn't want to screw that up. Um, 
And as far as like being the singer and people, you know, kind of coming at me with their COVID mm-hmm. breath, if I get it that way, like whatever, just shit happens, man. People aren't trying to get COVID, you know no. what I mean? Like they just get it, you know, maybe they're they're They just let it down uh, their guard for a minute or they, uh, you know, touch the wrong thing or whatever. You know what I mean? I, 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 so in that case, I just kind of surrendered myself to it, but, uh, on the, on my free time and my, the sort of like social aspect of touring, Mm -hmm. like I just wasn't really like hanging out with people that I I would, I wasn't too, uh, open about that. Okay. A couple times while we were discussing that, discussing the tour, you circled back to the financial margins. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but your sole means of support or the way that you make a living is as a musician or in, or in things that are at least ancillarily connected to music. Correct. Uh, yeah. So have the last two years been a little tougher than usual? I think I've been okay. Just, you know, from, I have a long career, a bunch of different projects. So money will come in from this thing or that thing. And, uh, and I think like a lot of people, like, um, I was upstate. I, ha- I have a, a, a house upstate and, um, I was just buying groceries. I wasn't <laughs> going out to fucking do anything. I wasn't right. the thing that I would spend money on would be like going out in, in Manhattan for, you know, for a night that, that'd mm-hmm. crush me com- in comparison. But I mean, upstate, I'm just buying groceries and hanging out. I'm not spending money on anything. And I wasn't one of these people that were like, I was, bu- I was buying shit. Like if someone's bar was going out of business or something like that, I would mm-hmm. buy like a t-shirt to, to help support them. And, you know, that kind of thing, you know, yeah. that, that was sort of the only thing I was spending money on besides groceries. So I was, and I got, uh, I got unemployment as well from, uh, from as a independent, um, guy, there was someone that as a musician, you're an, in, I'm an, uh, self-employed person. Right. So I qualified. So I was like, this fucking rules, nice. you know what I mean? Like for mm-hmm. once in the whole fucking world of my life, the government is like fucking looking out for me. This is insane. And so that, that was also cool, but, um, but yeah, in terms of this tour, well, yeah, of course it's important. You know what I mean? Cause now we're sort of back to real world and um, quicksand can't go on tour every, you know, we can only do it every so often. So you want it to, to go well. Um, and you certainly don't want to lose money, which is what would have happened if we got COVID. I mean, we just went to all right. the trouble of making the album, you know, and here we are promoting it. the last thing anyone wants is to screw that up. So, I mean, really that was, that was the kind of the specter of COVID, you know what I mean? Hanging over it. But um, everyone's dealing with that. The audience, Mm -hmm. all the other bands, like everyone is dealing with that in their own way. Like I'm going to the quicksand show, you know, some people don't give a fuck and some people are very like overly worried about it. I guess those people would then be staying home, but, but you know what I mean? Like that range of, 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 uh, of concern. And I think those ranges, the concerns also range uh, on your circumstance. You know what I mean? Like for us, it was like, if I get COVID and I'm the guy that gets it, that's a real bad look. Right. And I don't want to be that person. Maybe probably the last thing I'm going to touch on, but something I didn't know until recently about the 52 year old model of Walter's rifles yeah. is that you can just up and run 26 miles at one time, sir. How'd that happen? Yeah. I couldn't believe that, that it myself, but, um, it's, uh, I've always been into running or for a very long time. And during COVID, um, I just kind of really, my brother kind of like eggs me on. Cause my brother was kind of upping his game. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I just started running longer distances and, uh, 
and just enjoy it a lot. You know what I mean? It's like, I think when you run, I think anybody can do it pretty much. I mean, as long as your, your arms and you know, not your arms as much, your legs, more importantly, are working, you just got to have the sort of, um, I mean, you've written books. So, I mean, like, you know, that that takes as a steady clip, you have to stay with it and mm-hmm. you have to do the work. And that's what uh, what long distance running is about, you know. So if you just if you run the amount of times and, and the distances and shit that they're asking you to do, you'll do it. You'll get there. It, you just got to like sign up for it. And sometimes you're like, God damn it. I remember like dreading like have, I got to I got to run 18 miles this weekend. Oh, my God. I just I'm dreading the weekend. You know what I mean? And then when you finish the, the run, you're just like, holy fucking shit, man. I just did that. That's so- cool. And you have completed an organized marathon. Where did you run it? I ran the uh, New York marathon, the virtual marathon. So that's with no, no one cheering me on. Um, But it was really awesome was I ran it on Halloween last year and uh, my brother and I ran it and we ran uh, over the Brooklyn bridge and around uh, Brooklyn through Coney Island and out to Rockaway beach. And we ran it all the way to uh, uh, where we grew up on 134th street down to the beach. It was a really, nice. uh, it was a beautiful day. Yeah. Listen, I wanted to get that in at the end. It wasn't really in family with the rest of the interview. I want to thank you for being uh, forthcoming today and for being patient with my uh, deep dive. You're, you're great at it, Dan. Uh, lots, lots of fun to get into, uh, into music and all this, uh, all the, all the stuff and running and all of it. I love it. All right. Well, everybody, that is episode 40 of Dano says so. Thanks again, Walter. My pleasure, Dan. Take care. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday.